Good to see you guys. How you doing? Fine. Good. Thank, thank you. you. Dr. Carson, when I interviewed you, interviewed you for the magazine, you said specifically that Otsuka has innovation in its DNA. What, do you, what did you mean by that? I've been with Otsuka since 2002. And throughout the time I've been with the company, we've had lots of different uh, initiatives that represent uh, how, in, uh, how innovative the company is. So for example, the Salesforce in Japan were the first group to have Prius cars when they came out. As soon as Apple introduced the iPad, the Salesforce got iPads. They couldn't do anything with them, but they had them. And um, we've been continuing that tradition here, especially on the clinical side. We've been working hard with innovations. We have an all-electronic platform for the trials that we do. And we also have all of our digital work with Proteus, um, with IBM early on. And um, I think those types of innovations continue. Kabir. Um, you both work in Princeton, and you um, work closely with your Japanese headquarters. You have deep international experience. What does global collaboration look like for you two and for Otsuka at large? Yeah, so you know, clearly we are a Japanese company. Headquarters is in Japan. We have a lot of autonomy in the U.S. to run the business um, between us. But clearly, you know, global organizations in pharmaceuticals are truly global. There are areas of risk that are global, whether that's quality, whether that's supply chain, whether that's pharmacovigilance and so on. But I think more broadly than that, as long with innovation, collaboration, and the ability to work with others is also a signal feature of Otsuka. So Bill mentioned the relationship with Proteus. We just announced last week a relationship with Click. Well, over the years, we've had all sorts of collaborations of different size and scales with BMS initially that really put us on the map with Abilify, now with a range of other companies and so on. And to me, both that perspective around it takes all of us, it takes partners, it takes lots of others for us to be successful is really important. And I think the international experience is helpful to me because it just reminds me that even though my American colleagues tell me every day how exceptional this place is and how unique it is, it's not actually true. <laughs> and that helps keep me grounded. Yeah. One of the things that we always wanted to be throughout time was to be one of the best partners for whoever we're working with. Um, that goes back to the relationship with BMS. In fact, we have a fair number of people who went from one side of the alliance to the other side of the alliance, including me. So um, I think that uh, Otsuka has always been a really nice place to work, and we really work hard at our relationships, our partnerships, um, and we like to keep that position as we move ahead. I know both of you, um, you in particular, Dr. Carson, have really dedicated a lot of your career to the mental health moonshot. Um, you were instrumental in developing Abilify, um, a drug that has helped probably millions of people, ranging from those suffering from anxiety to schizophrenia. Um, how is Otsuka, well, first of all, sort of why is the mental health moonshot so important to Otsuka? And then we can sort of talk about kind of how we're, you're moving the needle now. You're, you're absolutely correct. I think that Otsuka recognized the, the asset that Abilify was. And to, to really put a fine point on it, uh, the initial trials for the approval were all done by Otsuka, and they approached BMS to help them to commercialize the product. 
I actually got a jewel by uh, being on the BMS side at that point in time with regards to life cycle management for Abilify. And, uh, you know, great drug. You were able to look at um, major depressive disorder, bipolar disorder, all sorts of additional indications which you might not have ever considered for what was an atypical antipsychotic. The ability for us to expand um, really helped us to help large numbers of people throughout the world. Now, you would say, why is mental health uh, the moonshot? And, and I think that when we saw how um, successful and how uh, really helpful Abilify was as far as treatment was concerned, we also said we have to make sure that we understand the mental health populations around the world because we're going to be in that space for a long time. Mm -hmm. And um, as a psychiatrist, that really worked for me. Mm -hmm. um, I have always said that mental health is health and that we have to, as Bernard Tyson said yesterday, we have to attach the mind and the, the head back to the body if we're going to treat the whole person. Mm -hmm. And I think that that kind of spirit is what Otsuka thinks as far as mental health is concerned and why it's important to us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I would just add, I can guarantee you there's nobody in this room who has not been touched in some way by some issue around mental health, whether it's family, friends, colleagues, children, and I think, you know, unfortunately, we do have, that we have great pharmacological solutions. We know that there is still, we're still doing a poor job of providing really good outcomes for the majority of people with some form of mental illness or some form of trouble. And as I say, it touches all of us, and for us, frankly, that's a guiding light. It's, it's turned out that for whatever reason, many companies are not so focused there which has also been good for us, but really that wasn't the choice. The choice is this is, this is our guiding light. Yeah. As long as we're talking about Abilify, um, Otsuka really gained unique market experience through uh, Abilify MySite, really coming to understand uh, digital medicines, digital therapies better. And I wonder if you could sort of describe what some of the lessons learned have been and kind of what that experience has been, what, what it is actually. Well you know, that we worked with Proteus and bringing that uh, my site forward. And, and early on, I would say that was a very interesting place for a pharmaceutical company to land. The cadence in Silicon Valley versus the pharmaceutical cadence is night and day. You know, uh, it, when we look at how to bring things forward, we say, oh, well, that trial will be done in three years and we'll be able to file in five years. And on the uh, Proteus side, it was around how fast can you iterate. So we had to really, um, as an organization, work hard to make sure that we were on the same page. Yeah. And they t were great partners in helping us to, to um, get across the finish line. Yeah. As you know, uh, we had to do some human factor studies. The FDA was very interested in seeing how patients with MDD, schizophrenia, and bipolar disorder could utilize the system. And we had to make changes in that. But one thing that stands out to me, which I've said over and over again, is in the number of patients that we did those studies in, the amount of data that Otsuka collected was more than all of the data that we've ever had in all of our clinical trials. Mm. And that really stands out as, um, it really makes you think, in the world that we're in now, 
um, we, are, we have a wealth of data which will help us to understand patients better and help us to make sure that they uh, are able to manage their medications. Yeah, uh, and I would just add, I mean, first, kudos to colleagues earlier who really believed in this and continue to drive it and so on. But I think you know, we're clear that digital medicines potentially can play a huge role in actually enabling patients to have much better control of their lives, patients to have much more awareness about what they do and how they are treated. We also know that it's going to take time to get to scale. It's challenging, you know, with my site, we're trying to change the behaviors of patients, physicians, and payers, and many of us in the room know that doing any one of those things is pretty hard. Doing all three at the same time is extraordinarily hard. But we truly believe in the potential of this. We truly believe that in the space of mental health, we need new tools and solutions that move just beyond the pill in order to be successful and provide better outcomes for patients. I think one other thing that stands out uh, is that when you're looking at something that's disruptive, we have a tendency to take the square peg and try to make it go back into a round hole. And I think that that's been an insight to me and us and the teams uh, as we approach what we're doing. Um, I actually see it something like this. It's almost like going to an Airbnb and asking someone, where's the front desk? It's a problem. You know, I think that you have a disruptive technology, you have a disruptive system, and that means there's no front desk. I think on our side, we have to think the same way. That's the patients, the providers, the families, the companies, that we have something new that we're offering patients. Yeah. Uh, Kabir, you're on the R&D side. You know, when you bring... Commercial. Oh, commercial side. All right. Got it. I, he wouldn't let me near no. the R&D side. R&D, and he would let me near commercial <laughs> Commercialization, <laughs> got it. Um, when you bring together uh, the pharmaceutical life cycle and the startup life cycle, you've got two different cadences uh, that are quite different. You know, drug development measured in, in, in decades sometimes. Um, what does it look like to bring those cadences together? You know, Otsuka has been a, a great partner of Startup Health, and um, you're blending these two worlds, these two life cycles, if you will. So, it's a great question, and you know, we, uh, some, some people within Otsuka have to spend a lot of time trying to escape the dominant paradigm of the pharmaceutical business in order to be successful. And that's, that's a huge challenge, because you're right. It, it applies not just to timelines and so on, it applies to how we think about investment decisions. I often joke, we're very willing to spend $500 million on the toss of a coin, because any phase three program in psychiatry is effectively a toss of a coin. Trying to get commitment for $10 million to move a digital therapeutics forward is much harder <laughs> than doing the $500 million decision. And that's not surprising because everyone's comfortable with the zones they're in. So how do we do that? I think you know, the fact that we are working with Proteus, that we are investors here, that we're investors in Science 37, that we've done the deal with Click, says that we understand enough about what we don't know that we will find the right partners to work with. And I think it, you know, very candidly, it starts from the top down. I mean, you know, as you can see, Bill and I are two normal middle-aged white American men, <laughs> as you would expect of pharma CEOs. Yeah. But genuinely, that diversity of thought and background and so on is incredibly important to us because, you know, uh, behind the surface, Osaka really doesn't look like any other big pharma company that I know. Yeah. 
Do I get white privileged all of a sudden? No, I shall. Now, what has that knowledge exchange looked like? Because I think about bringing those two worlds together, and each can learn so much from the other, from the taking the time to do the research versus being willing to iterate quickly uh, and, to, and to change. So how does that knowledge exchange look? Well, I think Kabir mentioned the Science 37 piece, and you know, we actually, on the development side, were able to uh, make an investment for sightless trials. Sightless trials are the future. Mm. And um, we don't exactly know which sightless trial is going to win at the end of the day, but I think you have to be playing in that space um, to be able to move ahead. So we have, on the development side, done lots of pilots and then been able to take those pilots and move them into how we do uh, the work that we do. So in some respects, we've been able to buy down the risk of doing something that's uh, really interesting and getting our hands around how do you work with it, how do you bring it into your platform. And as I said earlier, we had an entire electronic platform for clinical studies um, starting in 2017. So um, we have a very uh, trusted way of looking at those types of innovations to help us do the work that we do. Yeah, and we, I mean, lots of companies will say they do innovation competitions, and it's true and so on, but we actually, for the last couple of years, have run a pretty meaningful one. We had, I think, uh, 90 teams apply with ideas this year, and they're all cross-functional across the development and commercial side, a whole range of ideas, and we put real money behind them. So we've funded 12 of them to students so far, around $650,000, and that is for people actually to develop these new ideas. They could be business optimization, they could be revenue generating, and so on, but we really do actually put our money behind that. We have a team last year that's working on you know, um, evidence-based medicine to, to be delivered to psychiatrists in an app. We've actually filed for IP on that because it's something that no one else was doing and so on. So we've, we've tried to bring some of that thinking and so on into it. But you know, let's not forget, we're a pharmaceutical company. You know, and that, you know, even though I firmly believe that in 10 years' time or whenever it is, we will largely be selling solutions, which will include pills and vials and so on, but potentially a range of other things, it's still going to take us time to, ex to escape that dominant paradigm. I think also, Kabir said earlier, you, the tone at the top is really important, and I, he's a great partner for us to really talk about innovation from the top. The competition actually says to the people in the organization, um, what are you thinking? What can we do that's different? And I think the idea of putting the innovation coming in both directions has really helped us to, to create a culture where people think, how can we do this differently? Yeah. When we talk about the mental health moonshot, it's easy to talk at a 10,000, 30,000 foot level, talking about R&D and commercialization and acquisitions, uh, and yet, as both of you mentioned, it's incredibly personal, and no one in the room uh, is completely unaffected. Uh, and so, Bill, when we talked uh, for the magazine, you talked about a few sort of sub-moonshots that really sort of hit you really personally, and I was really struck by uh, the way you talked about hoping that you spend a big portion of the rest of your life uh, making sure that, that no one receives their first um, 
diagnosis in prison. So could you speak to that and, and just sort of the personal nature of mm -hmm. mental health moonshots? I'm glad you raised that. It's really important to me, and, and what I've heard over this um, festival has really helped me to see that a lot of people are working in that space, and I, I couldn't be more proud of, of people being able to do that. Um, we have a huge problem in this country with regards to stigma. In fact, some of the reasons that the mind and the brain and the body are disconnected is really stigma because we don't want to say um, our families, us, um, our children have these disorders, uh, but they do. And, uh, but again, even coming to this meeting, how many homeless people did you walk by? The statistics for homelessness is very much like the statistics for jail. It's about 65% have some sort of mental health issue, substance abuse mm -hmm. issue, and they just don't get the treatment that they need. Yeah. I think that we need the best and the brightest minds. The moonshot is really on um, how, what do we do on the front end? How do we make our diagnosis better? I'm sure that if we walked up and down the street, lots of these folks have never had an accurate diagnosis. So we don't actually really know what's going on. The second part is most have never ever had adequate treatment. Mm. Again, we don't even know that we can make an impact. And I think that um, as we look ahead, we have to take uh, all of the evidence that we're going to get from our wearables, from our monitorings of people, to be able to say these patients in this category respond to this type of treatment. But it also might say, these patients over here respond to a different type of treatment, and we can refine it so that patients actually can get the mental health that they need, mental health care that they need. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would add to that, I think, you know, unfortunately, what you see on the streets here or whatever is probably the most visible example of the lack of connected care. And I know connected care, the lack of connection, is an issue in every therapeutic aver for every patient. But I think what you see here, and that's why I know there are entrepreneurs here working on that, but to me, that's also an incredibly important part of dealing with, with mental illness, the, the ability to connect. We, you know, we know that the drug, you know, even the MySite solution is only a small part of what actually will help us to help so many of those patients. Thank you, gentlemen. As we've reiterated again and again, the mental health moonshot and all the moonshots would be impossible without massive global collaboration. You have been a great collaborator with Startup Health, and uh, we appreciate the work that you've been doing. So thanks for taking the time for this conversation. Thank you very much.